0: okay this morning we're jumping into a brand new uh, teaching series Uh, we're calling it living a generous life and uh, this kind of is coinciding with the season of Lent. Uh, as you've already heard, we're partnering with an organization called Stewardship, uh, who are running a campaign over Lent called 40 Acts, uh, which really is just about encouraging us to engage with the season of Lent, which is often a time where we we uh, sacrifice and we, we give up things and do things like that, but actually encouraging us to engage with Lent a little bit differently and, and engage with Lent by becoming more generous. Uh, and in doing Lent generously is their, is their tagline. And so whilst we're doing that, whilst you're signing up and uh, receiving their daily challenges and, and inspirations, uh, we thought it would be good to kind of uh, piggyback on that here on a Sunday, uh, and talk a little bit about what it means to live uh, generous lives. Uh, a number of the leaders in the church are going to be sharing this series, uh, so you're not just going to hear uh, from me, and we're just going to be teaching through and looking, looking at generosity from a number of different uh, perspectives. We're going to be uh, um, looking at generosity or what it means to be generous with our gifts. Know, with the talents and the abilities that have been given us. We're going to look at what it means to be generous by serving others. Um, we're going to be looking at what it means to be generous despite our feelings. Uh, and then, I can't remember who's got this one, but it's the hard one. It's, we're going to look at what it means to be generous when it hurts, um, when, it costs us, uh, when it costs us something. And then to finish up on Palm Sunday, we're going to be... Um, inviting you to respond in a couple of different ways. First is, is in the area of teams. Um, as many of you know, um, to make church happen, it takes a number of different teams uh, to function. We have over... Um, about about 90 people each month who who just serve here on a sunday across the month uh, to 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 make things happen and then we have all the things that go on during the week as well and so you know one of the things that we really value in the life of our church is is that everybody gets to play Everybody gets to be involved. Everybody has the opportunity uh, to contribute, to get their teeth into something. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be left to a few people who are paid to do the job. But actually, we all get to contribute. Now, the good news is is that when we look at our statistics, about 51% of you um, give a little bit of your time and your energy to help us do what we do, which is is fantastic. But that actually means that 49% of you still need a job. Okay? Um, And if we're going to talk in real numbers, that means there's at least 85 of you who don't do anything? I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that really. But um, at least 85 of you who who are perhaps not involved in serving at some of the uh, the different opportunities uh, that we have. And so you may have heard us say, um, whilst the refurbishments of this building goes on, and whilst we wait to move downstairs, that we have a space issue. Okay, and um, this this room. Uh, Will hold uh, probably be a maximum of 150 people. And you know, we believe God's called us to be a growing church. Uh, we believe that in this season, despite our limitations in space, that God wants us to continue to grow and develop. You know, just in the last two months, we've seen more than 50 new people walk through our door, and at least half of them have come back. Now, you could say, well, where are the other half? Well, you know, statistically, you know, um, not everybody who comes is going to come back. You know, we might think this is the best thing thinks chocolate, um, but the rest of them think it sucks. And so there are, there are some people who come, and they're just never going to come back. But the, the, the reality is, is when, you know, church growth people say that when a church is about 80% full, it's full. And so one of the reasons why some of those guests might not have come back is because there simply doesn't feel like there's much room. Uh, there's not much room for them. They're, they're not sure where they can fit in. And so, you know, we, we really have a desire to make more space. And so in the interim period, whilst we're meeting in this space we recognize that one of our only options is really to go to two services. And so we're still planning that. We're still trying to figure out that. But one of the limitations of us doing that is just Teams. Um, We need at least another 50 people uh, to sign up to Teams in order for us to go to two services. Um, And I know that sounds a lot, and that's um, quite significant, but that, that 50 doesn't include worship, it doesn't include kids, and it doesn't include youth. Um, and, and so if we include that as well, there's a lot more. Um, but initially, we need to just bolster our teams by at least another uh, 50 people. The good news is, is there's 85 of you uh, who could go, yeah, I, I'm in for that. <laughs> okay, And so what we want to do in this season is on Palm Sunday, we're going to invite everybody, whether you're serving or not, to re- make that recommitment and just, and just say, we would lo- I would love to serve in this area. I'd love to give myself in, in this way. You haven't got an option to, to step out of anything. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but we just want to give you the opportunity again to say, yeah, I'm in. This is what I, I want to give myself to. And over the coming weeks, you're going to hear about some of those different teams and, and what takes place. And so that's the first thing. Uh, that we want to invite you to. The second thing that we want to invite you to as we talk about generosity uh, is is this building. You know, that we, we are in uh, the, the first phase of this building is coming to an end. The carpet is being laid this week uh, once all the decorating is finished. Um, and that will mean phase one, which was the, the upstairs area, will be complete and we can all breathe a sigh of relief, and um, and and so once that's complete, we can begin to focus our energy uh, uh on the lower floor, which we're kind of referring to as phase two. And um, you know, we've already um invited you uh to partake in, in contributing to that, whether that's financially or whatever it might be, and um. And some of you have responded to that, which we're really grateful for. But the significance of what needs to happen downstairs means actually we need as many people to be intentional about that as as possible. Uh, Now, I realise that when we say things like we need £100,000 or we need £50,000 to do this, and that can seem like a ridiculous amount of money because it is. You know, it's a significant... Uh, amount of money, and um, and when we talk in huge sums like that, often we can think, you know, the little bit that I can contribute, what difference will that make? And so the, the the kind of temptation is, is that we just think, I'll just check out of this, I'll step out of this, because the bit that I've got won't won't make a dent in that, it won't make a difference. And so we've just been thinking, as um, leaders and as trustees, how we can. Uh, invite all of us to feel like we're contributing uh, to to what's going on. And so um, what we want to do on Palm Sunday is is invite all of us to consider giving. And and the kind of the, the benchmark that we're setting is that what would it look like if all of us committed to giving the equivalent of a day's salary? So, you know, you can work that out, can't you? It's your, your salary divided by 52, divided by the number of days you work. That gives you a day's salary, yeah? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Clever. Um, and, and, and so that's what we're, we're going to invite you to on Palm Sunday to consider giving the equivalent of a day's salary. We, we figured, you know, doing the, doing the maths of average salaries in our area, we reckon we could raise... A church our size, we could raise about £25,000 in a day. That would be our dream. And, um, and the thing that we want to do is we're going to do that um, on Palm Sunday, and then we're going to invite you to do it again in September. So just giving you some warning. Um, um, because you see what we're doing? We're just trying to break it down. You know, It's, it's kind of like we could say we need £100,000, and that just seems an impossible task. But what would it mean for us to... So break that down into chunks, and we can, we, we, can figure, we can figure that out together. And so, you know, you might not want to limit yourself to a day's salary, which is fine by me. Um, um, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you missed the opportunity last time to give, and you would love to give. This time, um, if you want to do that, that is fantastic. But that's what we're kind of heading towards. So that's, as we explore this subject of generosity, we're kind of preparing ourselves uh, for that Sunday uh, where we're going to think about uh, what it means. And so, um, where am I? And so, that, so that's, that's the plan, um, you know, it could go miserably wrong, and if, if it is, I'll, I'll disappear, and, uh, um, and I'll crawl into a hole somewhere. But um, no, I'm only kidding. Um, but I think the thing that we are longing for uh, in all of this is, um, and I'm longing for this in my own life, uh, and longing for it in the life of our church, that, that actually we would be a people that go from just simply being obedient to becoming a people who live lives of extravagant generosity that we would be extravagant we would be reckless with the resources god has given us for the purpose of his kingdom that that we would we would have a new perspective on our resources, and so if you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn with me to Matthew six? <clears throat> I'm going to be looking at a different couple of passages of Scripture this morning, but we'll start in Matthew Matthew six, and this is uh, Jesus speaking. He says this in verse 19. He says, "Do not store up for yourself." Treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be now i don 't know about you, but these these verses can kind of in many ways feel quite. Provocative, can't they? They um, they kind of cut across um, all earthly wisdom uh, that we've been taught, particularly about how we look after the resources that we have. You know, we're, we're told to, the re- our resources, we're told to keep secure, aren't we? Um, uh, to invest them wisely so that they will pay off in this life. That if we invest in the right material things, then we will be secure. But Jesus seems to cut across that. And ultimately, he says he says that real security isn't found in material, material things. He says, if we, if we store treasure here on earth, it's either going to be destroyed by elements of nature or someone's going to steal it. Yet the kind of investment not subject to loss are the treasures that Jesus says we store in heaven. And there's this, this idea that God cares more about the condition of our hearts when it comes to our resources than the condition of our wallets. And so, the real measure, I th- the real message, I think, in this passage, um, and the real message of generosity in this passage is, is really it's all about our perspective. It's all about how we see things. And, and, and so, what I want to kind of do to launch this idea of generosity is think about how do we live with an eternal perspective? How do we put an eternal perspective on things? You see, it's really easy for us, isn't it, as as individuals and as families, to have a very narrow perspective on things and not see beyond our own kind of border fences. But generosity, I believe, is, is found with an eternal perspective. And that's not just us being people who get to live... For eternity which we believe in christ we do but actually being people who live life for that which is eternal yeah that we live life for eternal things now i'm not sure if any of you have ever pondered the idea of eternity but it's quite long okay it's it's quite significant and um and it's sometimes hard for us to get perspective on our lives in light of eternity. But if you imagine for the moment that this room, the width of this room was eternity, okay? And that, that's an unhelpful illustration because eternity is forever. Um, but if, if for the moment you could think the width of this room is, is eternity. And... Um, our lives in the context of eternity is like that speck of dust it's like that, that speck of dust that i've just caught hold of see the reality is in light of eternity our lives are are kind of momentary aren't they that we're here for 60 70 80 years if we're lucky. Some of you who are like 79 are worried now. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but we when, we... when we think the width of this room is eternity and our life is this speck of dust between my two fingers, I guess the question is, is, is how are we going to live our lives? How are we going to take that, that small momentary moment that is our life and use it for the best. What are we going to give ourselves to? Are we going to give ourselves to earthly things that get destroyed by nature or get stolen? Are we going to store treasure in heaven? Are we going to to invest in such a way that it goes ahead of us? You know, that's Jesus' advice to us, isn't it? That's what Jesus says. He says, He says, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. And so in this life, we believe we use our resources to love people, don't we? To to love our community, to transform our city. We don't love our resources and just use people. And so it's a, an eternal. Perspective that shapes our earthly priorities. That when we see our lives for where it is in, in, the, in the realms of eternity, we suddenly realize there's so much more for us to invest in. There's so much more for us to give ourselves to. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a guy called uh, Alfred Noble, but he, Alfred Noble was a Swedish chemist. He was an engineer and an inventor, and he was famous. For inventing dynamite. And in 1888, Alfred's brother, uh, Ludwig, died. And um, by mistake, the papers uh, published Alfred's uh, obituary. They thought he was the brother who died. And it, and it read like this He said, The merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Noble, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. And so Alfred Noble, he was horrified to read this, he, you know, reading his own obituary. And, and, and as a result, it changed his life uh, significantly. And so in that moment, he decided in the time that he had left, in, in whatever time he had, he would take his wealth... And he would make a difference to future generations. And, and, and the result was he died eight years later. And when he died, he left uh, the equivalent of $9 million in awards that would benefit people who work for the good of humanity. And those awards became known as the Nobel Awards. Now, Alfred Nobel was given quite a unique opportunity. You know, there's not many of us who get to read about people's impression of who we were in this life. And I, I, I just wonder, you know, if we had that opportunity, if we had a moment where we could read our own obituary, what difference would that make? What, how would that change the way we do life. How would that change with the way that we use our resources? You know, would we carry on being tight fisted and building our own little kingdoms? Or would it cause us to think uh, beyond ourselves? You know, that Alf- for Alfred Noble, he, he, he lived differently as a result of what he read about himself, um, that benefited future generations and far beyond. I don't imagine he, he, could have, he could have even conceived what would come of that investment that he made. Now, we hate talking about giving in any kind, don't we, in the context of church? Uh, it always makes us feel a bit uncomfortable, and that's not just because we're British. Um, and as a result of hearing someone like me talk about giving in, in different ways, I think uh, we can feel differently. We can respond in some different ways. We can feel like we have to give. Okay, So we get this huge sense of obligation, uh, uh, guilt, that somehow if I don't give of my time, my energy, and my money, uh, I'm not going to be welcome here. And I just want you to know that's true. No, it's not. Um, I just want you to know that's, there's nothing further from the truth. Now you're welcome here regardless of what you think you can and cannot give. You know, you're welcome to be part of, of the family. You don't have to do anything. That's the reality. And if we don't think like that, then, then other of us can, become, can take on this mentality that if I give, God's going to give me something back. And we function within the, with this kind of give-to-get mentality. But the reality is, is that's not a great motivator either. You know, um, God is good and he loves us and he loves to bless the resources he puts in our hands. And, you know, when we sacrifice the resources, he loves to bless us in return. But he isn't a divine fruit machine. You know, we don't put our money in, pull the lever and expect more back. That isn't how it works. And so instead I think we're we're called to be a people who get to give. We get to give. That it's it's our honor. It's our thrill that we get to give what God puts in our hands. And so when it's time to be generous, when it's time to be generous with our time, with our energy, with our money, do we approach it with a sense of duty? well, I need, I should do this, I should do this. Or do we see it as an opportunity? An opportunity to do something that will last for all eternity, that will go on ahead of us. Maximus in the movie Gladiator, he says, whatever we do in this life echoes into eternity. You see, our time our energy and our money, the resources we get to give in this life, they all belong to God. And so I'm not, what I'm not saying is, is we should just put them all down and go and move into a mud hut somewhere. You know, that we should just, we should just set everything aside. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Actually, the Bible is quite clear that God blesses people to be wealthy. And, and actually, we're probably some of the most wealthiest people In the world right now, in this room, but God blesses us with wealth, and He gifts us with wealth. He gifts us with resources, and and the challenge is, is what we're going to do with them. What are we going to invest them in? How are we going to take what God gives us and bless others? And it's far more than how can I be generous with my money. But how can I take all the resources that God has given me and, use, and, and begin to use them generously? How can I be generous with my home? You know, some of that God has given some of us wonderful places to live. How can I be generous with my home? Maybe it's to be hospitable. Maybe it's to welcome people around your dinner table. Maybe it's to give someone a, a, a bed to sleep in for the night. How can we be generous with our cars? You know, how many of us, most of us have got cars, haven't we? How can we be generous with our cars? Maybe we can give someone a lift. Maybe we can loan a car to someone in a moment of crisis. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's all there, isn't it? They're all our resources that God has given us. How can we begin to use them? I love the challenge this week in 40 Acts where they were saying that being generous, we often think is just about being spontaneous. You know, so we, we think we only can be generous when we're spontaneous. And actually they were challenging people to say, actually, there's some intentionality to being generous. And they encourage people to have a generosity kit tucked away. You know, just a whole stack of resources that you can lean in towards being generous because you've got a, a spare umbrella in your boot or, or whatever it might be. And, and, and so being generous with what we have, with the wealth of what we have, is, is, is an intentional thing. You see, when we live our lives with an eternal perspective... We recognize that it belongs; it all belongs to him anyway. And so we're like, okay, God, whatever you want me to do with what you've given me, whatever you want me to do, I'm, it's at your disposal because I know it's going to shape my eternity. It's going to shape what's to come. See, the resources that you and I have, they can't be taken with us but they can be sent on ahead. And it's not just the wealthy or those of us who are well-resourced that get to practice generosity. It's not just the luxury of the rich, but it's also the privilege of the poor. Now, you might be here this morning think, I haven't got much. I don't have many skills. You know, I don't have much money. What can I give? But you see, generosity is not based on equal amount. It's based on equal sacrifice. Some friends of ours who lead the Cardiff Vineyard, um, James and Jen Rankin, they they received um, this message in their offering uh, one Sunday. And it says this, it says, To Cardiff Vineyard Church, Dear sir and madam, we are asylum seekers and not sure how long we will remain in Cardiff. Whilst we are here... We are being provided with accommodation as well as Tesco vouchers to buy food. And we do not have money uh, and we are unable to pay our tithes and offerings in cash. Therefore, we would be grateful if you would receive our tithes and offerings in Tesco vouchers until we have money of our own. Sorry for the inconvenience. God bless. P.S. They work well at the tills. But that's quite an amazing story, isn't it? That's a profound story. And you can see there's 40 pounds worth of Tesco vouchers. So, whoever that person was, they had nothing. They're living in a country, a foreign country, Wales. And, um, <laughs> and out of their poverty, they're longing to give. That's profound. In fact, I think I could stop talking and just leave it at that. You know, that is so, so profound. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says this about the Macedonian church. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. The Macedonian church wasn't a wealthy church and it was out of their poverty that they gave. I love that. I love that. That's so much more than the biggest check any of us can drop in the offering. It says in verse 3 in the midst of very severe trials, they're overflowing joy. They're welled up in extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. That's extravagant, isn't it? That's reckless. When we talk about reckless generosity, that's reckless. Romans 12, which is the scripture I'm meant to be in this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, there, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as we begin this journey together of living life generously, we need to remember at the center of it is worship. The imagery in this passage of a sacrifice refers to uh, the practice of temple sacrifice, the burnt offering which was a, a free offering. And what they would do, they would bring the, the very best animal and sacrifice it and offer it as a sign of dedication to God. So this was different from a sin offering, which was all about atoning for sin. And it's important to see the difference because Paul spends the first part of Romans reminding us that Jesus is our sin offering that he's the one who's made the sacrifice once and for all. Our sin and death is, is dealt with. And our choice now is where, where, how we give the very best we can in living. You see, each and every day, our generosity, our, our sacrifice, is like sweet-smelling worship to the Lord. The burnt offering. It was the it was the very best animal set apart for God, wholly given to him. And so here's the challenge. Do we give God our best? Do we give him the very best? Or do we just give him what's left over? Do we give him the best or are we waiting for a time when things are more settled? Do we give him the best or are we waiting when we're more financially secure? Do we give him our best or are we waiting when we've advanced in our careers? Or are we waiting for when the kids are older? Are we busy Storing up treasure on earth. When the call on our life is to live life in light of eternity. To live a generous life in, with an eternal perspective. How do we answer that question today? Well, the good news is we can do that we can respond to the Lord and so why don't, we, why don't we pray, you don't have to stand you can just stay where you are but we'll pray you see generosity it flows out of who God is We become generous because he's generous. He's generous to us. And you see, God is generous all the time. He's generous in sending us his son, in dying in our place so that we may have life and life in all its fullness.